Thank you for joining me for another Quick Hits Conversation. With me today, I have Shannon Phillips. He has a background in biomedical science and is the founder of Unbounded Thinking. He focuses on improving how companies approach problem solving and innovation. He's an Aussie, but he lives in Canada. I have Shelly Berry. She's based outside of Phoenix and works at a local bank, building trusting relationships to help businesses grow. And she does some business coaching on the side. I have Simon Coles. He's in the UK. He's the CEO of Amphora Research Systems, where they free scientists from the tyranny of paper. And he is also the founder of the Better Conversations Foundation. The question I have for you today, how do you look at a problem with fresh eyes? Simon, kick us off. I have to change my state in some way. Hmm. And what does that mean? Uh, at one level, it's like, go think about it somewhat differently or in a different situation. Hmm. Me, personally, I, I, you know, take a nap, go get to sleep thinking about it, wake up thinking about it. That, that tends to work for me. Hmm. Uh, but I think certainly thinking about the problem in a different space helps. I think if you, you sit in the same space, sitting at your desk, think about a problem and then come back and sit down in the same chair and try to think about it again, I don't know you're going to access any new information. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about my own experience with trying to look at a problem with fresh eyes. And I think sometimes we underestimate really the power of our mind. So by even saying, I need to look at this with fresh eyes, I think it actually have an impact in setting aside already my preconceptions or my current perception of the problem so I can see new possibilities emerge. Just honestly telling yourself, I, I need to see this differently. I think in my mind, can real, uh, it's powerful. It set, helps set aside those notions and open up the possibilities. I, I think it really depends on the, on the, on the question. Is it, a, is it a big reoccurring problem like cl climate change or is it a, you know, a one-off problem that just needs solving? We typically approach whether it's personal like you just said, Shelly or Simon, when we're sitting at our desk uh, or, or a larger uh, business problem. I love the question because it, it, it really made me think more about how we approach problem solving. You either look at a question as a, as a problem, sorry, as a scientist or, or kind of in the personal or, or business sense, right? And I love that a scientist uh, kind of approaches a problem. They get excited about it, right? That's, that's their career. Where in business, we kind of look at problems as a as a risk to our survival. And I think that has a big impact on having those fresh eyes when we look at a problem, because usually, you know, we're so wired to jump to coming up with a solution quickly, right? Because we, you know, typically when we have a problem, it's painful, it's, it's frustrating. So we put the Sherlock hat on and we say, hey, let's come up with a quick a, a solution as quickly as possible. And that's when all the biases start jumping in and, and uh, start having a big impact on how we solve that problem. Thinking like a scientist, if I can throw that out there, you know, I'm not talking about a three-year research study approach to problem solving. I'm talking about falling in love with a problem, I think, is the first step to, to be able to have fresh eyes. Yeah, so recognizing the problem and not seeing it so much as something that's looming to out to get you, but as something that you can look at. I think the thing about science that I love is you're never wrong. You just learned new information. But when I think about looking at things with fresh eyes, I always have to go back to when I wrote my dissertation. When I read my dissertation now, and I haven't gone and looked at it in years, but when I looked at it after I was removed from it, the number of typos in it is disheartening. <laughs> Considering I read it, my chair read it, and my second read it. I'm like, how did we, what happened? And I think that we had gotten to where we knew the information so well, we weren't actually reading it. I, I think the other thing to, 
you know, if you want to get creative about things is, you know, problems are gifts. They're prompts to do stuff. And often the constraints that a problem might bring liberate you. If you look at design and business strategy and all that sort of thing, once you've done it for a while, you go and look for the constraints and embrace them because they're there anyway. And it reduces your kind of problem space, as it were. Mainly just rather like Shannon was saying, it's uh, problems are your friends. Make friends with them, accept them. Otherwise, otherwise it'd be a really boring life, wouldn't it? I think that inviting somebody else in is is very powerful and helpful. If you're ruminating and you can't see it with fresh eyes, you need a, a fresh perspective. So someone you can trust, just it doesn't mean that they're right, but just that they see it differently, that can also help you set aside how you're seeing it. And I love Shannon's point too, as I was listening to him talk about loving the problems, just, it's like embracing the discovery of the solution, right? If you look at a problem as an opportunity, to discover something new or something, a solution. That, that's more of an adventure, not as an intimidating or like you said, looming or heavy issue. When you see a problem as an opportunity to discover, maybe then those solutions will start coming to, coming to mind. Talking about discovery and, you know, as I mentioned, climate change at the start, it's funny how science looks at it as climate change. I'm, I'm certain if it was a business problem, we'd look at it as climate innovation. Right, two, two totally different ways of looking at, at problems. But Shelly, I, I love the idea of bringing other people in because um, it does have a big impact on our own biases around problem solving. Right? I think cognitive diversity is a big topic or a really interesting topic when it comes to problem solving because it's not just about bringing in 100 more people, especially today's world where we have access to everyone on the planet it's not just about saying, hey, come and join our, you know, crowdsource our problem solving because that can go the other way as well, right? So I think having people in the room, you know, who think differently, who approach problem solving differently is, is super important. I, I have a caution about that. Okay. Having, you know, obviously I've been working in, in an intact team and I have plenty of people who would wish to advise me on things. Yes, it's good to get other brains involved, but they have to be the right brains with the right attitude, facilitated if needed. Hmm. I think just dragging somebody off the street ain't going to work. And a lot of people who would claim to advise you, you shouldn't let anywhere near a problem. And I could rant considerably with all due respect to everyone present about coaches, because most of them are rubbish and shouldn't be there anywhere near a real problem. Obviously, present company accepted because you're all wonderful because you're here. But I think it is a real problem, actually, particularly for, for CEOs and, and lone entrepreneurs, finding good quality people to bounce stuff off. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that, you know, we started this foundation and, and sort of what do you want us to do? And some people said marketing and, and sales and all that sort of thing, but a lot of people said community, somebody to talk to. So my sister and I, we think very similarly, and we kind of have a rule that if we want someone to commiserate with, yes, we can absolutely commiserate with right. each other. That's fine. But if we're trying to problem solve, she said her, her name's Melody. And she'll often say, Robin, when I ask you, it's like asking myself, it's not fair to anyone else because all I'm going to get is a reiteration of what I already think. And so you need someone who can think differently than you, but who also has the ability to ask you some really good questions and make you think differently. I think that's where my strength comes in, except for with my sister. Sometimes a pragmatic tool might be writing the problem down, mm. like spelling it out. Just in that process of writing down your thinking, the, the perspective might change. Or if it's a problem to which you're trying to find solutions, a 
way to look at it in a fresh perspective is like, well, let's write down as many solutions as I can without judgment. You know, it's like a brainstorm. Let's just write, 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 write all the possibilities down Mm -hmm. or even to, to the problem itself. Let's write, write all the possible perspectives. Again, we're limited with our own mind, our own biases, as Shannon mentioned, but it might be a, a start. Then you can maybe bring it to a trusted person that assignments that not very many people you could go to, but maybe somebody that at least shares the maybe same core values as you, um, things of that nature that you could have them look at it and see what they think if you need to. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one interesting thing you said, trusted person. And of course, when you say trusted person, it's, oh, do I trust them to keep my secrets and that sort of thing, which, yeah, that, that's obviously important. But also I think it's, do I trust you to let me think and collaborate on this rather than tell me or bring your own thing? It's still my problem. It's not about you. It's still my problem. Can you hold that space for me and be constructive? And that's an art, I think. Now that we're living in the virtual world where problem solving has moved online and even this morning, you know, involved in a brainstorming session with virtual sticky notes. Uh, I love the idea of divergent thinking, throwing a hundred sticky notes on the wall and and seeing what sticks because it it taps into different areas of the brain, right? Oh, I didn't think of that before. Oh, you know, but now you've got a hundred ideas on the wall. What do you do with that? Right. It's great to have everybody come together and have all these sticky notes on a, on a virtual wall but it's not really, like I said, it's not really falling in love with the problem. It's now just trying to get as many people involved and getting them engaged because now the problem with virtual is engagement. And the more people you get involved, the more it becomes like herding cats. That is our 10 minutes. So I'm going to thank you so much for having this conversation with me. And I look forward to speaking to each of you again really soon.